Thank you for selecting this presentation brought to you by the Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center's Media Ministry. Sit back and relax and prepare to hear God's Word. And now here's today's speaker. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for this day. And Lord, we ask that you would have your total and complete way. Lord God, I give this entire service over to you. And I ask you, Father, to let your grace be mighty upon it. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you. And Lord, I acknowledge my weakness. And Father, I acknowledge your strength. I ask for your grace because your grace is the thing that makes up the difference. Have your way today, Father. Heal us, deliver us, set us free. We acknowledge your presence. Speak to your people, Father, prophetically. Speak to them prophetically. And Lord, I bind every hindrance of frustration. I bind every hindrance of distraction. I cast them into the sea in the name of Jesus. I bind every spirit of fear. Or anything, Lord, that will hinder your word from coming forth today. Let your love be free in this house. Let your joy be free and full. Your peace, your patience, long-suffering be full in us. Gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, and faith be full. As we turn our lives over to you, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Samuel. To the book of First Samuel. <clears throat> the book of First Samuel. As we speak from the subject today of turning point. Turning point. Turning point. I'll do my best to give you what the Lord has given to me. And I pray that you came today with expectant hearts. Expectant hearts ready to receive what the Lord has to say. I've told you several times before, whenever I go in to hear my pastor or to, when I go any place uh, to, hear, uh, to hear a word, when I go to any church service, I'm not just going just to be going. Gas prices are too high just to go, just to be going. I'm a busy man. Let me say it this way. I'm a very productive man. And my time is limited. So if I show up, I'm showing up for something. Hallelujah. So I would urge all of you, when you show up to church, when you show up for a word from the Lord, come in expecting to hear from God. Are you with me? Time is up just to be coming, just to be coming, just to fulfill some type of quota. Or at least I got my hour in this week. I got my hour, I got my 30 minutes in this week, I'm, I'm okay with God. I gave him my time this week, I gave him my time this week. Time is over with that. I want some return on my investment. I don't have money just to be giving it away. I want a return on my investment. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Time is gone for that. God's given you seed to sow. You don't just carelessly throw it on the ground and hope it's going to come up. No, when you're planting a garden in one of your yard, you pick the part of the ground that's, that's at least have it, has something growing in it. Or the, or the ground is at least green. You don't go and say, I'm going to plant a garden. And you go find the, a patch of dirt with rocks in it where nothing is growing. No, you go pick something where something is already growing. And that's where you invest your seed. Where something is already happening. Hallelujah. That ground over there that has just a, a ground that's just a patch of dirt and rock is already telling you 
There's no life here. Don't invest over here. There's no life here. No invest over here. No, you invest your seat. That is when you want to eat tomorrow. If you want to eat tomorrow, you better invest where it's already growing. Are you with me? I'm not talking about the stock market either. I'm talking about here your spiritual life, your spiritual growth. So when you come into the house of God, come in expecting to hear a word from God. Come in expecting for the Lord to speak to you. I told you before, I believe in the pulpit ministry of the Holy Ghost. I believe that he still speaks today. A relevant word to his people that will impact them. And if we hear what the Lord has to say, you will receive deliverance. Hallelujah. I love you today, saints of God. Most importantly, the Lord Jesus loves you too. First Samuel, the first chapter, very familiar group of scriptures today. I didn't come to bring you anything new. I believe the Lord just came to remind you of some things. Today's modern society, we're all looking for something new. Sometimes we have to go back to the old landmark. I find that as we observe the basics, get the basics right then life goes a whole lot smoother. We're all looking for the next new television. Well, maybe not all of us. The next new car, the next new sound system, the next new computer, the next new pair of shoes, the next new dress, the next new suit. Always looking for that thing that is new, and we hope that that thing that is new is better. But we find out sometimes you had it better in the old model. Sometimes the newer models can't compete with the older models. I tell you, 50 years ago, if you got in a wreck in one of those vehicles in the 19, let's say in the 1950s, put it that way, got in a wreck in those vehicles, uh, you may have gotten just a scratch. But today, getting the wreck in one of our vehicles and the whole front end is crashed in. They built it out of sterner stuff back then, real steel, real metal, not fiberglass. So sometimes the newest thing is not necessarily the best thing. You better take inventory of what you already have before you go out and get something else. Oh, that was a word from the Lord from somebody. I know I heard that. You better take inventory of what you have first before you go out and get something else. First Samuel is an account of a man, Elkanah, or Elkanah, and he has two wives, one named Paniah and the other one, Hannah. Some of you know this very well. And this man, we can start here, verse 3, and this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, who was the priest, by the way, uh, the two sons of Eli, uh, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. Verse 4, and when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Paniah his wife, and to all, say all, all, and to all her sons and daughters, we can say all her sons and all her daughters, portions. Verse 5, but unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, and the word worthy is also translated double portion. Why did he do that? For he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. We'll stop there just for a moment. Yearly, Elkanah, the husband, would make his trip up to Shiloh to bring a sacrifice 
that was suitable for the worship of the God of heaven. That was suitable for Jehovah God. Hallelujah. He would look through his flock and find the best and bring that before the Lord to sacrifice before him. Now, it was customary and is the, was the law in the book of Deuteronomy. It states that when you brought a sacrifice to the Lord and uh, you burn, it was a burned offering. Well, you had to eat it there in that place. You don't take it back to your house. There no, there was no get it to go. You eat it there. There was no drive through religion like some of us are experiencing today. Give me the word. Get it to me quick because I got to go. There was no drive through religion. There was no give it to me quick because I got something else. No, back in that time, people actually came to the house of the Lord on purpose to bring something that they desired, something that meant something to them, and actually to take the time and worship Him. They weren't cognizant about their schedules. They actually, they actually gave God time. Hallelujah. So anyway, as we get back into the case, they brought the sacrifice, Elkanah and Peniah or Penina, his wife, along with Hannah. Penina had sons and daughters. We do not know how many sons or daughters she had, but we do know that it was at least two in order to be called sons. You got to have at least two, right? In order, to be, in order for it to be said, daughters, you got to have at least two. So we know at least two. Right? So there was Elkanah. That was one. His two wives. That's three. Right? And at least four children. Right? That makes a total of seven persons that are possibly sitting at this table. As they have sacrificed there. Uh, at the house of God there in Shiloh. Now, the priests are also eating because the priests also partook of the sacrifice. The New Testament brings that up when the apostles say, don't you know that those that uh, live of the gospel, or rather those that preach of the gospel would live of it as well? Praise the Lord. They also get to partake in that sacrifice. So there is possibly, if they're all sitting at the same table, with the Eli and his two sons, that's at least seven plus three more. There's at least ten people that could be there eating at the table, enjoying the fruits of this sacrifice. Are you with me? Now we see a problem here in verse number five. Let's go back and see this. There's a problem here in verse number five. Let's look at that again. It says in verse five, well, let's go back to verse four. It says, and when the time was that Elkanah offered, that is, he brought the sacrifice in, they killed it, or they, they slaughtered it, uh, they made necessary, they did the necessary things to it, isn't that right? Burn offering, it, the meat is now, has been offered unto the Lord. This is sacrificial meat, this is a sacrificial dinner that they're offering up before the Lord, isn't that right? The father is pleased with the sacrifice and they are all right now partaking, beginning to partake. It says when the time when he had offered, right, that is all taken place. 
He gave, now he's giving some parts of the meat, right? He's giving some parts of the meat, whether it's the, what is it, what is the, the leg parts or the, whatever part it is, the shoulder, whatever it is, they're all beginning to eat of the meat. So Elkanah goes over to the, to the altar and he gets some meat and begins to bring it over, uh, to Penina. Here you go, dear. And to her children, sons. Here you go, son. Here you go, son, daughter, daughter. And when he gets over here to Hannah, he begins to single her out because he gives to her a worthy portion or a double portion. Now, everybody else around this table sees I got one slice of meat. She got one slice of meat. My brother got one slice. My sister got one slice. And how does she get two? There's trouble in verse number five. Hannah is being singled out. She is the favored one at the table. Are you with me? Hannah is favored at the table. Let's look at it again. It says, but unto Hannah, he gave a worthy portion why? Why did he give a worthy portion? Why did he give a double portion? Help me read it. For he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. He loved Hannah. Not say he didn't love the rest. His, his children, his sons, his daughters. Not say he didn't love them. Not say he didn't love Penina. But it says clearly that he loved Hannah, which means that he favored her above the rest. He favored, his actions favored her above the rest. And the rest saw that, and the rest didn't appreciate that. But at least Penina didn't. So she was highly favored. Hannah was highly favored. But she wasn't fruitful. The Bible says that God shut up her womb. She was highly favored. She had potential. Let me tell you one thing that is a blessing, but that can also be a, that can also be seen as a curse. When you have so much potential and people tell you all your life, oh, you got so much potential. You can do everything. You can do this and, and you can do that. You got so much potential. Everywhere you go, you got so much potential. Teachers tell you so much potential. Classmates tell you so much potential. You get out in the world and workplace, so much potential. You got all this potential, but you're still not fruitful. Mm, 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 mm. I know you're talking Holy Ghost. It is a blessing. It is a blessing to be highly favored. It is a blessing. To have all the right parts. It is a blessing to have the potential to birth nations. It is a blessing. But if it never comes to pass, it can be seen as a curse. Blessing to, to know how to make money. Know all the secrets about making money. And live in a one-bedroom box on the bridge. You know how to do it. You just can't do it. Blessing. They say, oh, you're so pretty. You ought to be a model. If you just get those teeth fixed, you'd be all right. Bless you. You know, if I just get them fixed, I can be, I can be here. I can be there. There's always something that comes in front, always some reason why you cannot have your desire. But in the meanwhile, she's highly favored. 
Come on out here, Hannah. Sit right there with me, okay? Let's talk about Hannah. Can you see Hannah in this chair? You can? You're using your Holy Ghost imagination, right? (laughs) Hannah. Let's talk about Hannah. Are you with me? Highly favored of the head of the house. Highly favored. Every year, given double portions, given a worthy portion. Let's talk about her adversary. Panina. Cat fight. <laughs> Are you with me? Let's look at this. It says, verse 5, But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. Verse 6, And her adversary, her adversary, also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord has shut up, had shut her womb. Let me read that for you out of the Amplified. It says, this embarrassed and grieved Hannah. The fact that she didn't have fruit. The fact that she didn't have proof of her labor. Because you know, every once in a while, she and the mister, she and her husband, had to have a moment. Praise the Lord. They had to have had a moment. We know he had at least four moments with Penina. Isn't that right? He had to have had a moment with Hannah. But she, there was no proof of that intimacy. No proof of the intimacy. Are you with me? Look. But it says here that she was embarrassed and grieved. This embarrassed and grieved Hannah, I've amplified, and her rival provoked her greatly to vex her because the Lord had left her childless. So, Penina, who was jealous, very much so of Hannah, jealous about what Hannah was receiving. Hannah had her husband's love. She knew that Hannah was the favorite one. And she would torment Hannah with the fact that I got children and you don't. I got something that you don't have. I got the job and you didn't get the job. Mom and daddy like me better than you. I look better than you. There was a rivalry going back and forth. And Penina always made sure that she had something that Hannah did not. And this embarrassed, grieved, and vexed Hannah. Penina always let her know that she had the physical fruit. That she had something that was tangible. But Hannah had that thing that was intangible. Love, you can't feel love, really. You can't touch love, really. You can't handle love, really. It was something that was intangible. Like spirit, like vapor, like air. She had it. But Penina had the physical manifestation. Are you with me? Proof of an intimate love. 
I pray you with me. So every year, back and forth, she is tormenting her. The natural is tormenting the spirit. Those that are walking in the natural is tormenting those that are walking in the spirit. This one, I'm going to bring it home to you. This one is believing God for the new house. This one is believing God for the new car. This one is believing God for the saving of their marriage. This one is believing God uh, for riches and wealth. This one is believing God for, pros- for a prosperous ministry. But over here, those that those that uh, aren't even seem like they're even serving the Lord who does not have the husband love or the father's love seems to have it all. Some of you getting this. Hannah has the love of the father. He is a Elkanah, is a father in a home. And the father loves her. But Hannah does not have the love of the father. She may have the love of the husband, but she has the love of the father. Are you with me? Understand this as we go a little bit further. The Bible says that her adversary also provoked her sore. To make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. Verse 7. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. She provoked her so much. Penina provoked Hannah so much. Ribbed her up so much. Some of you remember the term Jonah. I don't know. Talked about her so bad. So bad. At her point of weakness, she knew what Hannah desired but could not have. And she tormented her with that. You ever have your desire to have a a nice coat? And somebody come around you, they got that coat, and they say, look, let's just walk around you. Constantly remind you that they got the nice coat and you don't. Not going to let you borrow it either. Not going to let you wear it either. They just want to flaunt it in front of your face. I got it, and you don't. And see, that is what, what happens in the natural. The enemy flaunts this stuff before you. Some of us have desired, well, I want to lose a little weight. And for a while, it's all right. We're okay. But the time of tormenting comes. When you see someone else that you've known from somewhere before, say, hmm, you gained a little weight, didn't you? See somebody on the television, oh, six-pack of abs, 12-pack of abs. One day I want to have the abs like that. One day I want to have the abs like that. They're constant reminders. Folk torment you and torment you and torment you. But the thing is, some of the folk that torment you here on this earth, especially when they talk about your body, they themselves don't have a perfect body. Are you with me? I guarantee you there's some defect in there somewhere. She may look like a Barbara doll, but take a look at her toes. There's something there that's imperfect. She may look like a fashion model on the cover of the magazine. Well, we can spray her up with the cover of the magazine. We can, we can edit some things and take out this and take out that and, and make them airbrush this and that. Oh, and she looks perfect on the magazine, but don't see her in the airport. Everything that glitters is not gold. And the enemy tries to keep these things before you all the time and it makes you depressed. The Bible says that Hannah wept sorely and she didn't even eat the double portion that was given to her. She couldn't eat. Anybody would have been so depressed, so sad, so emotionally disturbed that you couldn't even eat. Anybody been like that before? Is it just me? Just me and Larry? A couple people. So emotionally disturbed that you could not eat. 
right? That you couldn't get the portion that was, that belonged to you. Well, what happens next? Here comes the turning point. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? He doesn't get it. Sometimes I tell you, men, you better say amen. We just, we, we're just not that deep. We're just not that deep. Wives, you think that your husband should know, but he, has, he doesn't have a clue. He doesn't have a clue. I tell you, the wife tries to paint it on the side of the wall, leave notes. Leave little innuendos, drop little hints, and we come around. Do 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 do. We just haven't had. We just don't have a clue. You got to spit it out and talk to us plain. Say amen, men. Come on. You got to talk plain to me. If you want red, say red. Well, I don't like that. It looks like it needs another tone to it, don't you think, honey? I don't know. No, I think I think maybe a little, maybe a little reddish view. Oh, huh? a little red. Okay. We're not too deep. We're not too complicated. Year after year, Penina has been tormenting her, tormenting her year after year. And he says, why are you crying, dear? <laughs> we ain't too deep. Ooh, Hallelujah. You got to break it down to us. Yes. Write it on a note. Praise the Lord. You may have to write a note, put it on a postcard, email it, phone call, and sit us down. And put it to us straight. Come on, women. Come on, say something to me. And so he says, then said Elkanah, her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? Why aren't you eating, honey? And why is thy heart grieved? Why, why are you so grieved? And here comes the, mili- the, the million dollar question here. He says, am not I better to thee than ten sons? I know what you want, honey, but aren't I a substitute for that? Aren't I enough for you? Aren't I enough? I can see her looking up. She's got the tissue in her hand. <laughs> looking up. He said, aren't I enough for you, honey? <laughs> I, I, I'm, so the husband says, I'm doing all I can for you. I'm giving you double to me. I'm not giving that to anybody else. I'm giving that to you double. Looks like you could at least respect me. <laughs> just don't get it. A little bit, you know, it just, it just goes right. You got ladies, let me tell you, you got to break it down. Break it down. One man once said, talk to me like I'm a six-year-old. Now they're talking to you like I'm a four-year-old because there's some five-year-olds who know a lot. Break it down to me. Hallelujah. And this is Marriage Counseling 101. Hallelujah. Sometimes, husbands, you just need to go over and hug your wife. Just hold her. 
Just hold it. You don't have to be like the, the great octopus, but just hold it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sometimes you just need you to hold it. As men, we like to go and try to fix stuff. As we are. We're fixers. Say amen, men. Oh, y'all ain't talking to me. You see what I'm saying, ladies? We like to fix stuff. You got a problem? I want to come and fix it. I'm a fixer. Tell me about something? I want to fix it. Hannah, I see you don't have children. I can't do nothing about that, but I can at least give you two slices of meat. I'll at least give you two slices of meat. That's my part. I'm going to fix it. This is the best thing I know to do. I can't give you what you want, but at least I can try to fix it. Instead of coming there and just holding her when she's weeping, you're crying, let me sit down here with you, put my arm around you, and just hold you for a while. Let's just rock together for a while. I know you're in pain, honey. See, that's something that meat can't do. Are you with me? Let me just hold you for a while, honey. You're in pain. I don't, I don't know why Penina likes to do that to you, but you're special. And surely God's going to bless us. Instead of, I'll give you two pieces of meat. What else you want? I bought you a new car. I bought you a new house. Now why are you still on my back? Well, maybe she just wants you to hold her. It's not always in the things. Husbands, it's in the small voice. It's just in the word. Things that money can't buy. I hear you, Holy Ghost. And it goes on. Let's look further. So we're not so wives understand your husband is not too deep. You give them too much credit. Say amen, husbands. You didn't like that. Sorry, husband in the back. Well, wives, most of your husbands are not that deep. In general, husbands aren't that deep. Let's go further. It says in verse number eight, then Elkanah, her husband, then then said Elkanah, her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? Why is thy heart grieved? Here is the solution. Am I not better to thee than 10 sons? Don't I treat you nice, honey? So Hannah rose up after who had eaten? I'm sorry, who? So she stayed at the table with the family. She rose up, meaning that, you know, you can't rise up unless you're sitting down. She rose up from the dinner table after everybody else had eaten. Everybody else got the, uh, got the food all around the mouth, got the, maybe got a little milk mustache on them. And got a little gravy hanging out here. Everybody else may have some collard greens stuck right there in their teeth. She rises up from dinner. She's been crying. She's weeping. Now, catch the scene at the table now. Catch the scene. But Nina's been ripping her up, talking about her. And Hannah's still at the table, and she's crying. Her husband comes over here, goes over here and gives her a double portion. 
Why are you crying, honey? Aren't I better to you than, to you than if you had this stuff? I'm, I'm doing my best, honey. I'm trying. Instead of just going to her and comforting her, he's trying to fix it. Now, she has a choice at this point. Do I just continue to receive the double portion? Do I just stay content with what I got and forget my dream? Because having this dream is killing me. Because her neighbor, rather her, the other wife, Penina, knows that she cares about this. And as long as she knows that she cares about this, she's going to keep ribbing her up about that. You know, if you don't care about it anymore, you don't care what people say. I don't care. Once upon a time, I told you, I wanted to give me a six pack. I have the stomach, you know. Not beer. Praise the Lord. I've had people come to me and say, hey, Pastor, you getting cut up. Gain some weight, aren't you? Yeah, I'm working on it. But when I stopped caring, I went up a couple pants size. No, that's not something. When I stopped caring what they thought and just began to exercise on my own, I began to feel a whole lot better about me. Needless to say, the people that said, pointed the finger and, and poked my belly, I won't go any further than that. Go back further into the word. So Hannah had the choice now. I, I can just let this go, let the dream go. Because it's the dream that the enemy is keep latching a hold of that's tormenting me. It's the dream that's connected to me. It's that desire that's connected. If I let go of that and just, just say forget it, you know, that he can no longer torment me with that. But the fact that I want it, I know I want it bad. The enemy knows it and it's tormenting me with my desire. So do I just let it go and receive the double portion? And when Penina comes back up to me again and talks to me and says, I got children and you don't, I should be able to say, well, I got double meat. You don't have no double meat. He loved me. He don't love you. Are you with me? She can go back and forth. She can go uh, railing for railing, accusation for accusation, keep it up. But Hannah didn't do that. Really, she just took it. Year after year. But it comes a time that you just can't take no more. Right? So instead of just, this is the turning point in Hannah's life now. Instead of just waiting. She rose up after that everybody had eaten there in Shiloh. And after they had drunk. Now Eli, the priest, sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. Now listen, as this goes further now, we'll stop it just for a moment. We know why as we further go further on the story, some of you are very familiar with this. We know that the child that she's going to have eventually, because God's going to open her womb eventually, and she's going to have a son, and his son, her son, is going to have his have a book in the Bible named after him. Can anybody name his the her son who has a book? In the Bible, named after him? That's right, children. Samuel. Very good. Very good. We're in the book of 1 Samuel. Oh, you're a good class today. You're so wonderful. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So her son will eventually grow up, become a mighty prophet, and have his own book in the Bible. Isn't that wonderful? Oddly enough, 
We don't know anything about Penina's children other than they, other than they just existed. All right. So eventually the Lord will open up Hannah's womb. But before we get to that point, before she had Samuel, we're right back to here as a turning point. And the question is now, after Hannah has Samuel, she begins to have more children. She has more children after Samuel. So it wasn't the fact that we could we could fast forward a little bit, but it wasn't the fact that God didn't want her to have children. But there was a promise that was locked up inside of her. That had to come out first before she could birth other children. Surely God wanted her to have children, but it was the promise that was blocking up the pipes. She had to get the promise out first. And then the rest would flow. And there's only one way to birth a promise from God. We're about to see this in the scripture. How do I birth a promise from God? Well, why did it take her so long to birth this? Why did it take her so long to get in this position? Why didn't God just have her womb open in the first place and just pop Samuel right on out? Why all the big pomp and circumstance? Why all the big to do? Because the promise of God requires some effort to bring forth. Understand this. Even though the seed or the potential is in you. As it written there in the book of Genesis, the I believe the first chapter or second chapter, verse number five. Even though the seed of potential is in you, the Bible says that the ground, this is in the beginning, the ground had seed in it. But it wasn't producing anything because God had not raised up a man to till the ground. He's not going to release it until we get in position. The apostles picked that up in the book of uh, first Corinthians where the first Colossians, the third chapter. And they they say, well, you know, there's a big to do going on about Apollos' teaching and about Paul's teaching. Paul come down and say, hey, 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 I planted Apollos water, but it was God that gave the increase. It's God that gives increase. So no matter how much labor you put in it, here that goes right back to potential again. We got a lot of potential. We got a lot of potential. You can do a lot and people can say they see a lot in you. But unless God gives the increase, it's more like a curse than a blessing. You got it and you know what to do with it. But something is always missing that prevents you from going forward in it. Until the Lord moves on it. And produces it. And when's the Lord going to move on it? When we get into that position where we abandon what we want and receive what he has. It's going to take work to birth this out. Well, it's the same thing that happened there uh, with Rachel. Jacob's wife. Her older sister Leah was popping children out left and right. Pop, 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 pop. And Leah, rather, Rachel cried out to Jacob, the husband, give me children too, give me children. He said, woman, am I standing in God's stead? Am I, am I God, am I causing you not to produce? It's not me, honey. You got to seek the Lord for that. Same thing with uh, John the Baptist's mama, Elizabeth. Well, when she conceived, she conceived in her old age. And the baby was, was coming. She was impregnant. She was pregnant. 
And Zacchaeus, her husband, I believe, or Zachariah, her husband, said, oh, this can't be. No, no, ain't no one in the world we're going to have a baby. No one in the world. Angel said, look, buddy, you better shut your mouth. And if you don't shut it, we're going to shut it for you. Putting it in the Mark Stroud version there. And sure enough, until the baby was born, he couldn't say a word. He couldn't talk at all. Until eventually, after the baby was born, he declared the baby's name. His name is John. It takes something to birth that promise forth. It takes something to birth that promise forth. Mary, of course, the mother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, here on the earth. The Holy Spirit had to come an angel. God had sent an angel to her. You're going to have a baby. Well, how can this thing be? I don't understand this. It's going to take something for you to birth this promise forth. You're going to have to believe that God can do this even though you don't know how he's going to do it. Even though you don't know when he's going to do it. You're going to have to believe that he can and he will do it for you. Hallelujah. I tell you, all the, you look at the mighty men of God in the scripture, they were all born in or around, or most of them at least were born in or around some form of conflict. We spoke about Moses on last week. After his conception, his mother, oh, I hope it's a girl because we know what happened to the boys. They throw them into the river and kill them. Born around something. Anybody can give birth to the children. But not everybody is favored of God to give birth to the promise. I know it was you. Are you with me? Anybody can give birth to the children, but not everybody can give birth to the promise. To the promise. So we say, I got this potential. I know I got all the right. I know I got all the right parts. I know I got the plan. I know I got the business plan. I know I got everything together. But it's just not working. I know the seed is in the ground, but it's just not working. It's waiting. God's waiting on you to get in proper position where you will abandon yourself and receive what he has. And he will add the increase to the seed that has been sown. Let's go further. Verse 11. And she vowed a vow. Now here, let's go to verse 10 again. Uh, so she rises and she goes into the temple to pray. Verse 10 says, And she was in bitterness of soul and cried unto the Lord and wept sore. Now she realizes that her answer cannot come from her husband. She realizes that there is a block there. She's bitter of soul. And she prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. Anybody ever cried? I mean, you were so bitter in prayer. Nobody could really understand what you were going through. Even those that loved you a whole lot didn't understand what you were going through. They couldn't feel what you were feeling. And you went in prayer and you just rocked and you cried and you cried and you cried and you cried. I'm here to tell you today. Lord, tell me to tell you on last night. Now we're getting back to the place where I can tell you this. The Lord said to me that he has heard the cries of Hannah. He's heard the cries of Hannah in this house. He's heard the cries of Hannah. She wept sore. 
And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto me, rather, but give unto thine handmaid a man child. She's very specific. She didn't say just give me a child. She said give me a man child. Then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. She's going to dedicate him to God. We pray, Lord, I got all the things ready for my new business. I got all the things ready for my new business. I got all the things ready for my new business. Are you with me? I got it ready. I got it ready. What does she do? She had to abandon her desire for the business. She had to abandon her desire, what she wanted to do for the child. Surely she wanted the child to grow up in her home. Surely she did. But now she's about to give that child over to the Lord totally and completely. And after a while, after she wings the child, we'll see this, Lord willing, if she wings the child, she's only going to be able to visit him one time a year. After weaning the child, possibly three to four, maybe five years of age in some cultures, she wings the child, leaves him there at the temple and goes away and comes back to see her child once a year. How many mothers could do that? Give your business over to the Lord. Lord, it's yours now. You do with it what you want. I'll play whatever part in it that you so choose and desire for me. So we're closing down now. The Bible says here that she made that vow before the Lord. Lord, it's yours. This is, this is your child. This is your business. This is your ministry. I give it over to you. Let your desire be fulfilled. Not mine, but let your desire be fulfilled in this. And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. Eli saw her. He looked at her mouth. Now Hannah, uh, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, because of that, Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said to her, how long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. Put your wine bottle away. You're drunk. Why you come to the house of God drunk? Why did he think that she was drunk? He saw her at the altar praying. Well, he saw her really at the altar rocking back and forth. She was crying, rocking back and forth, rocking back and forth. He saw her lips moving, but he couldn't hear anything coming out. He hear the words coming out. He confronted her, called her drunk. How long are you going to be drunken like this? Because he didn't understand what was happening in that spiritual moment. There was a transfer, a transaction being made at the altar, and even the priest couldn't realize it. When you go and you finally get to the point when that transaction can be made, the pastor may not realize what you're going through. The elders may not realize. The ministers may not realize. 
Reverend so-and-so, Bishop so-and-so, those that are so spiritual, those that work in the house and that are seeing the move of God may not realize what you're going through. But you and God alone, there was a transaction taking place. He accused her of being out of control. Drunkenness is out of control. When you're drunk, you're under the influence. Under the influence. He accused her of being under the influence. He thought it was of a, a wine spirit. But it was the Holy Spirit that was influencing her, influencing her at this time. Well, to make the long story short here. She tells him, hey, hey, don't confuse me. No, no, no. You're, you're handmaiden. I'm not drunk. I haven't drank. I haven't, I haven't drunk anything, which we know is true. From the word of God, everybody else ate and drank. She didn't. I haven't drank anything. I've just been crying. I want something from the Lord. I've just been weeping before him. I'm all right. Then he said, okay, I understand. Let's go ahead and read it. Let's, Let's go ahead and read it. Let's go ahead and read it. In verse number 14, and Eli said to her, how long wilt wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. How do you birth it? Pour out your soul before the Lord. What is your soul? Your soul is made up of your mind, your will, your intellect. Uh, That is the seat of your will. You pour it out before God. Lord, I have no more. I have no more. I'm willing to lay mine down so that you can bring this forth. Oh, my Jesus. There's the Lord again. I'm willing to lay it down, mine down, so that yours can come forth. How do you get in position to birth the promise? Because, listen, children won't come to pass. Children won't come out until the promise comes out first. The promise opens the womb for the rest. Hallelujah. And he says, but have she's poured out her soul before the Lord. Verse 16. She says, count not thine handmaiden uh, for a daughter of the loud. I'm not serving the devil. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hereunto, hitherunto, hitherto. Out of my, of the depths of her soul. The depths of her soul. Now this wasn't just a, now lay me down to sleep. I pray, Lord, my soul to keep. Lord, I help you. I hope you give this to me. Amen. And walk out. This was not just hurry up, Pastor. Pray for me. I got to go. Do you understand? This wasn't slap me with some oil, grease me down because I got to go. No, no, no. I bet you she took time in prayer at the altar. As she poured out her soul before God. This is something obviously that Eli hadn't seen before. Not like this. How desperate do we have to get that we can pour out our soul and don't care about who's watching us? Eli was there obviously, but she didn't care. It was her and the Lord. It was a showdown. God, you got to do something. I can't take this anymore. 
I've come to this point. I can't go back out there. I can't go back home like it used to be. I can't do this again. Year after year after year, disappointment after disappointment, this after disappointment. I can't take this anymore. You've got to move. And I'm willing to lay my life down so that this can live. That's talking about deep sacrifice and commitment. So this can live because understand, children, she desired to have children just like Penina did. No problem with that. She desired to have what the other wife had. No problem with that. The whole thing was because she didn't have what Penina had. Children, sons and daughters. God says, sure, I want you to have children, but you got to do something for me first. You got to birth the promise out. And you're the one that I have selected to bring forth deliverance in the earth. You're the one that I've selected. Mary, you're the one I've selected. You find favor in the eyes of God. You're highly favored, Mary. You're going to birth the Christ. Elizabeth, you're highly favored. You're going to birth John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. There's going to be some conflict around it. But when it comes forth. You're going to be glad and everyone else will be glad too that you did. You're the one whom God has selected to bring forth that ministry. People say, well, why aren't there ministries that talk about the, this, this and talk about that? Seems like nobody's talking about this or that. And you notice that and probably because you have, no, have heard nobody talk about it because you're the one that's supposed to talk about it. Hallelujah. To bring forth the ministry. Let's hurry on. Verse number 16 says, she says um, uh, unto him, count not thy handmaiden for a daughter of Belial. Or out of the, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken here, uh, hither to. Verse 17. Then Eli, here's the man of God, answered and said, go in peace. The God and the God of Israel Grant thee thine petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, let thine handmaiden find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did what? Did eat. And her, con- and her uh, countenance was no more sad. She believed before she received. She came in with the sad countenance. Nobody understands me. My husband don't understand me. Folk keep talking about me. I can't take this anymore. I can't go through this anymore. She goes into the, she goes to the house of God, kneels down at the altar and pours her soul out to God. Don't care about who's watching. She makes that vow before the Lord. I'll serve you. I'll give it to you. I pour out everything. Lord, it's yours now. She rises while she's down there. The man of God looks at her and thinks she's under the influence of another spirit. But no, there's a holy transaction that's going on at that moment that nobody else understands or can comprehend. She rises up and he tells her at the end, the Lord grant your request. And she leaves out of that place happy. Her countenance no longer sad. And she eats and goes back home. And at the appointed time, she and Elkanah, her husband, have a moment together. And out of that moment, God bursts out the Samuel 
Samuel comes forth and she wings the child. And she takes that child to live with Eli the priest. After that, she begins to have more children. She begins to have her desire. Samuel grows up to be a mighty man of God. The one that would anoint kings. <laughs> the one that would anoint kings for service. She was holding inside of her she could, something that she could not see. She had the potential of greatness, but she didn't know how great it was. All she knew is that she didn't have children like Penina had. She wanted children, but God wanted her to have a promise. And after she had the promise, then she was released to have children. I pray that you've heard the word of God today. Friends, I know you have been truly blessed by this presentation brought to you by the Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center Media Ministry. Remember, if you are looking for a church home, we would be glad to have you each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center is located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. For more information, give us a call at 770-537-1933 or visit us on the web at www.kingdomrock.org.